We are the church. Are you glad for your church? Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's get started. Book of Numbers, chapter 2, verse number 1. And everyone say amen when they have it. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard. The word standard there can also be translated as flag or banner with the ensign or the symbol of their father's house far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. And I want to preach to you out of verse number two where the Lord instructs Moses and Aaron to tell the children of Israel that they are to assemble beneath the flag of their father's house and in front of the tavern or facing the tabernacle. And my title for this morning is Beneath the Flag and Facing the Tabernacle. Beneath the Flag and Facing the Tabernacle. Can you say amen? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. I pray today, God, that you would not just speak to me, but speak through me. Everyone here today, God, needs a word from you. They don't need a word from man. Lord, I'm asking you to use me to edify, to encourage, and to strengthen your people. There are precious people. You love them. I pray, God, for your anointing now to shower down on us, awaken us, and stir us. In Jesus' name, and someone shout, amen. Look at your neighbor, tell them, God bless you, and you may be seated. As some people might be aware of, the first half of your Bible was not written in English. Well, neither New or Old Testament was written in English. They were originally written in different languages. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and most of it was written in Hebrew. And so when you start reading through the Old Testament in Hebrew, the titles of the books are very different. The title of the book of Numbers is Bamidbar, which literally means the book of the wilderness. But when the book of Numbers started to be translated into English, they gave it a different name. They called it the Book of Numbers. And they took this title because in the Book of Numbers, there is a lot of counting going on. And in particular, a specific kind of counting. They are census. I believe there are three censuses in total that are taken in the Book of Numbers. A census is a form in which people 
especially large numbers of people, organize themselves. The book of Numbers is about organizing. It's about preparing. It's about getting ready. And the reason there's so much organizing going on is because the children of Israel have just left Egypt. And when you are a slave, you don't determine how you organize yourself. That's determined for you. Pharaoh did all the organizing. Pharaoh told them how they were to assemble, where they were to go, at what time, when they had to come back. And probably even told them when they can eat and sleep. And so they didn't know quite how to organize themselves. And organization is important. A lot of people frown on it, but it's needed. What is not obvious in the book of Numbers is that the form of organization that's going on is layered. And I hope no one's getting bored already. But it's Sunday morning, and it's always good to study the Word. On the top layer, or on the superficial layer, there's just a lot of counting going on. On a deeper level, there is an organization of ethics and morals. The children of Israel leave Egypt, and they arrive at Mount Sinai, and they stay there for one year. During that one year, they are instructed to assemble a tabernacle, which is a mobile sanctuary. It's a church on the go. But then, while stationed at Mount Sinai, they received Ten Commandments. And these are very simple. The first set of commandments tells the children of Israel how they are to respect God. Because God is not like any other God. And their only point of reference up until this point are Egyptian deities and men who said they were gods. And Yahweh, or the God of heaven, is not that. He is something completely and altogether different. And so he begins to not just speak through Moses, but he tells Moses, you are to write these words, and I am also going to write these words down, and we're going to, as the saying goes, we're going to put it in writing. We're going to put this in writing. And this is not part of my message, but it's amazing to think that God from the very beginning determined that his religion would be mobile. The sanctuary was mobile, and now the code of laws that govern them morally will also be mobile. The Egyptians put all their laws on buildings. They were called hieroglyphics. But God's people had these little things called letters. And they combined those letters to make words. 1,500 years, even before the Chinese, the Jews were already writing. It is an amazing feat of human ingenuity because it was given by God. And so from the very beginning, God wanted the church and its message to move. 
Movement is important. You cannot stay still. You must go. You must grow. You must progress. You must. You have to. And so he gives them these ten commandments. In the first half, he says, this is how you and I are going to get along. In the second half, he says, this is how kids and parents are going to get along. And in the last half, he says, this is how you are going to get along with your neighbor's property. Basically, don't touch it, don't look at it, don't steal it. That's a really small amen. Apparently, some people think that they can take what's not theirs. This is organization. This is organization. But there's another layer. It's familiar. God begins to tell them, as we just read, I want all the families to come under the flag of their fathers. Because what is often missed when you read Exodus to Numbers is that these people's families had been ravaged. They had been destroyed. They had been taken apart. Of all the horrible things that slavery does to people, it takes apart their families. It takes families apart because slave owners want slaves, not families. They want men who will work and not think about going home. They want women that will work and not think about going home. They want children to grow up to be healthy livestock that can work as well. They don't want families together because when people are conscious of the family, they want to go home. Goals are different. Different things are done with money. People rebel when they feel they have to protect their families. And so in all forms of slavery, ancient, modern, one of the first things that's always done is the family is taken apart. And Israel was no different. Their families had been ravaged by the Egyptians. Their families had been taken apart limb by limb. Many of them did not even know who their parents were. And many of them did not even know who their children were. And so God says, you are to gather under the flag of your fathers. He instructs Moses and Aaron to make these flags, 12 of them in total, special, unique, each one with an emblem or a crescent of the patriarchs. Each family had a sign or a symbol that was recognizable. And the Israelites had one job, and it was simple, was to figure out who they belonged to, what family they were a part, and then stand under that flag. And when they stood under that flag, the Lord told them, tell them to then assemble themselves around the tabernacle. In other words, get under the flag and face the tabernacle. They were not to face each other. The tribe of Judah was not to face the tribe of Benjamin. They were to face the tabernacle. The tabernacle is where God's presence dwelt. The tabernacle is where God's word was preached from. 
The tabernacle is where all sacrifices were made. The tabernacle was where sins were forgiven. And the message from God to the people was very simple. Get your families together and stay focused on me. This was not Moses' idea. This was not Aaron's idea. The family is not a human invention. The family is a design given to us by God. God designed the family, not man. God designed the family, not man. And I hope I don't bore anybody here this morning, but can I tell you that when everything is said and done and the clock keeps ticking, all we have to do is keep our families together and stay focused on God. I don't care if you're a single mother. I don't care if you're a single father. I don't care if your children are yours or, or they're adopted. Your job as a family is to get yourself together and then face the tabernacle. I don't care if you don't have kids. You and your wife, get yourself together and face the tabernacle. I don't care if you're single. Get yourself together and face the tabernacle. Don't get your... Cornerstone, I came with a real simple message from you. Amen. With a real simple message for you. We are not in competition with one another. Families are not in competition with one another. We are not in competition with the Joneses, with the Smiths, with the Rodriguez. Come on, somebody. We are... We are here to face Jesus. We're here to get our eyes on God. We're here to obey the Word of God. We're here to... Come on, somebody. We're here to get our... We're here to get our family back. We're here to stand with our sons and our daughters. We're here to stand with our grandchildren. We're here to... Somebody give God a hand praise right now. Come on. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The family. The family is not our idea. The family is God's idea. In fact, if you go back into the book of Exodus, one of the most touching moments in the Bible, in my opinion, is when the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt and all of a sudden there's these big people called Anak. The Anakim, as they're called in Scripture. Giants. Ruthless. Malevolent. Aggressive bullies that bow up on the Israelites. They're, they're barely on the other side of the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, the enemy breaks out. And these newly freed people say, we got no choice, we got to fight. And God gives them victory. God gives them victory. But after the victory, Moses does something incredible. He starts stacking rocks on top of one another. 
and he puts a sacrifice on that altar. And he lifts his hands and he begins to worship. And he says, the name of this altar shall be called Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. In other words, God was telling the Israelites, you may not know who you belong to, but you belong to me. I am your father. I am... Some of you may not know who your dad is. Some of you may not know who your mom is. Some of you may not know who your children are. Some of you may not know who your uncles are. Some of you may have no idea or sense of family. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you what God told Israel thousands of years ago. The Lord is your banner. Get under your banner. He is your father. He is your God. He will fight with you. He will fight for you. He will... He will defend you. He will protect you. He will provide. He. Hey, this is why when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, Jesus could have said a million things. He could have said our eagle, which are in heaven, our strong tower, which are in heaven, our lion, which are in heaven. That's not what he said. He said our father, which are in heaven. You know what he's saying? Every time you pray, get under your banner, get under your banner, get under your banner. Amen. You are God's child. You are God's daughter. You are God's son. Hey, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Amen. Hallelujah. You may feel disconnected from your earthly parents. You have a heavenly father that loves you. He's deep interested in you. He will help you. He will provide for you. He Somebody give God a hand praise right now. Oh, somebody praise him. This is important to God. He tells Israel, you're going to get together. You're going to get under your flags, and you're going to face the tabernacle. I, when I'm not preaching at home, <laughs> I'm preaching all over the nation. Our families are under attack. From within and from without. There are young people here right now. You have given up on the idea of family. There are young people here right now. What I'm saying might even be boring you. Because you come from such a broken background. And I'm not, I'm not making fun of you. I come from a broken background. I come from a broken home. And it's taken me years to really embrace the fact that God cares about my family and that God wants me to have a family and that God wants me to consider myself in whatever state I'm in as a family and that as a family, amen, we have one goal and that's to stick together and to face the tabernacle. I just want to talk to you for a few seconds, and I don't know why I'm getting on this, but if you'll allow me to minister to you, I believe I can help you this morning. 
no matter what happens, you have to understand, amen, that your objective when you are in church is to keep your eyes off other people. Your objective is to keep your eyes on you and on your family. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. But I am telling you, the church and your brethren are not a competition. They are not your competitors. They are your companions. They are your colleagues. They are your brothers and your sisters. We are not fighting. We are not fighting for positions. We are not fighting for labels. We are not fighting for titles. We are not arguing. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Oh, somebody praise Jesus. If you will allow me just a few seconds, this is not part of my notes. And, uh, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on a few sacred cows here today. There is nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong with an entire family engaged in ministry together. Okay, that's 50 of us. It would not bother me one bit if every usher in here had the same last name. This is the will of God. This is good. How dare we look our nose down when an entire family says, as for me in our house, we shall serve the Lord. I'll usher. My son will usher. My grandson will usher. I will sing. My son will sing. My daughter will sing. I will preach. My son will preach. We will serve. We will do Sunday school. As a family, we are going to serve God together. We don't have competition. We're not facing Judah. We're not facing Simon. We're not facing Issachar. We're facing the tabernacle. Our focus is Jesus and our focus is each other. We're not focused on anybody else. We're just here trying to give God all we can. We're just here trying to keep ourselves together and trying to keep ourselves in the church. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Woo! Let's praise God for that. We need to, we need to receive that. We need to receive that. Let me say this, to the families that do minister together, to the families that do serve together, your last name doesn't save you. Your last name doesn't save you. Your parents do not save you. Parents, your kids don't save you. Because I know some sneaky parents that will send the kids to church while they stay home. Oh, that one got really quiet. Maybe I need to preach on that a little bit. Maybe that's this morning's message. Yes, we have them too where I live. There are people that say, I'm not showing up today. 
but I will offer up the children as a living sacrifice. And if pastor's not happy with that, hey, families, when we determine that together we are going to serve the Lord, let us remember in our service that each of us has an individual responsibility, amen, to fast, to pray, to repent, to confess, to live holy, to live right, to live righteous, to be, to uphold our church, our families with dignity and honor, to walk worthy of the position, to walk worthy of our calling, to walk worthy of our vocation, to walk worthy of our, come on somebody, hey, Jesus told us in the last days, this idea that our last name saves us or that we can be saved through associations was going to be a big deal. That's why he said there will be two in the bed, one will be taken, the other will be left. Two in the field, one will be taken, the other will be left. People that think that they're so tight that that that, that relationship has the power to save them, amen, are going to come to a very sad reality. I am here to tell you in all honesty and love, amen, it doesn't matter if your whole family's engaged in ministry, but you are doing it disconnected from God. If you're going to do it, stay connected. If you're going to do it, be humble. If you're going to do it, be prayerful. If you're going to do it, be spiritual. If My wife is not going to be the prayer warrior in the house. It's getting really quiet. Mama is not going to be the only one with a prayer list. Papa's going to have a prayer list. The kids are going to have a prayer list. We're all going to pray. We're all going to be prayer warriors. We're all going to. Come on. Hey, your sir. Your wife cannot save you. There's times we all get discouraged. I am preaching to a man right now. There's a man in this service right now. You are here today. Thank you for coming, sir. I don't suspect you come normally. But you are here today because your wife asked you. And you, you said, okay, I'm going to come. But you know what? This has been going on for a while. And, sir, I believe that you are sincere when you believe that your wife and her walk with God will have a positive impact on you come eternity. Sir, with all due respect, can I just tell you, that's not the way it's going to work out. That's not the way it's going to go. These are not retirement funds that you can give to your significant other when you pass away. This is not that. This is different. Can I just tell you, sir, it's just time for you to give yourself to Jesus. Sir, it's just time. You're here. Why don't you just go ahead and make a little pit stop at the altar and get your... And turn your life over to Jesus. Sir, I believe that God has been talking to you ever since you've been a young man. Sir, you should have died in that car accident, but God kept you. Sir, you should have died of that diagnosis, but God kept you. Sir, you should have got a stroke, but you ended up in the hospital right on time. Sir, you should have died of alcoholism, but here you are. You... But let this preacher tell you, it's time for you to get together with your family. Get under the flag and face the tabernacle. It's time for you to get under the flag and face. Oh, come on. Somebody give God some praise right now. God's talking to somebody. God's.
what, what I'm saying may sound rough. But it's not, as, it's, not, it's not nearly as sobering as the reality that God conveys. You read the book of Numbers. In chapter 19, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam all die together. Well, that didn't get much of a response. Praise God. They got in the ministry together. They went in together, went out together. Miriam got in trouble. Aaron got in trouble. Moses, Moses got in trouble. And the message there is very clear. You guys aren't saved because you're siblings. Each of you has to work this out. Each of you. I called each of you to serve me together. I called all of you to serve me as a family. But you cannot lean on that to save you. Family's not what saves. Jesus is what saves. God is who saves us. Family cannot forgive sins. Jesus forgives sins. Fa Sir, why don't you get baptized today? Sir, why don't you get baptized today? Sir, why don't you look over at your wife before this service is over and say, Sweetheart, you know he's talking to me. I know he's talking to me. We've been doing this too many years already. I'm going to go ahead and get baptized today because I want to be saved just like you're saved. I want to make sure that our house is under a flag and facing the tabernacle. You know what, sweetheart? I'm going to be here next Sunday and the Sunday after that and the Sunday after that and Oh, come on, come on, come on. For about 10 seconds, let's just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not going to minister much longer. We got a simple message here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. does our family serve God together? How does that happen? There's a lot of ways that happens. There's a lot of ways that that happens. I'm not going to preach much longer. But I'm going to talk to you about three attitudes that inhibit our service to God. Number one. In the book of Matthew, Jesus tells us, a house divided against itself cannot stand. It cannot stand. There are certain contradictions that cannot exist inside of our home. There are certain things that cannot live with us as families. I... I'm just going to be honest with you. Not a lot about the Ten Commandments has changed. Thou shalt not kill. Murder is the right translation. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. 
thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt have no other gods. Honor your father and your mother. But you know what? I am just so silly as to believe that if we're not supposed to do those things, we're not supposed to be entertained by people that do. And so we keep the television out of our home. We keep filthy movies out of... We don't bring the big screen in the bedroom to hide it from being in the living room. No, 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 no. We just don't do that because the house divided. I'm trying to figure out how to approach this thing. Hey, there are people here right now, you are fighting with getting the division out of your home. You are fighting with, with cutting the plug on certain stuff. And you are frustrated because every time you turn that television on, scantily dressed women come on. And then you look at your husband and say, what are you looking at? Sweetheart, you don't need to ask. But you know what we can do? We, we can go ahead and cut the pipeline so that we can actually start working on the problem. But don't get all hurt feeling like your husband ain't looking at you, but you are allowing things in the home that gives them a whole lot to look at. Can I challenge you that your husband might even welcome, amen, getting rid of some things so that he can start working on himself, so that he can start, because guess what? Adultery doesn't start on the job. It doesn't start on Facebook. It doesn't start on social media. Adultery doesn't start in the bar or the club. Adultery doesn't start with a coworker. Adultery starts in the heart. I said it starts in the heart. And so we, we got to create environments in situations where we can start working on our heart because you can't work on problems from the outside in. You got to work from the inside out. And but you got to make sure that there is a space and a place, amen, where there is room to do some good working on the heart and on the mind and on the soul. And don't you I felt like that went over like a lead balloon, but that's okay. That's okay, because you know what? You may not hear this anywhere else, but God bless you that you came here today and somebody had enough decency to tell you what's really going on. And at some point, the house has got to stop being divided. At some point, the house has to say, you know what? This will be a moral home. This will be a clean home because this world we're living in is no good. And there has to be a sanctuary for the children. And there has to be a sanctuary for our marriage. And there has to be a place where there's rest and repose. And there has to be a... Oh, somebody praise him right now. There has to be a place. Oh, come on. There has to be. There's got to be. Let's give the Lord a hand clap or praise here just for a few seconds.
Come on. Come on. Oh, Jesus. 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 a particular individual in our church and I'm not it, it, they wanted more of God and I believe they were sincere and they wanted to serve God at a greater capacity and I wanted it I welcomed it I believe people should serve the Lord. I believe people should grow. I believe people should be affected. But I had to have a talk with them. Because there are some things that weren't okay. And I wasn't attempting to control him. I was, I was attempting to ensure that he survives. And that he flourishes in the battle. Because when you serve, there's a battle. When you, when you step out and you say, I want to be where the fight is. There's going to be a fight. And you got to have yourself together for fight night. So I started telling them, I said, listen, you have so many talents and gifts. This is the only issue I see. One of the most relieving moments in my life. He said, pastor, he said all that stuff, that's what I've been doing because I was mad at God. He said, I'm not mad at God anymore. He said, I'm more than happy to get rid of that. I'm more than happy to get, get away from all that. I don't want any of it. He said, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, before I stepped into this meeting, God already told me to get rid of all that stuff. I have no grudge with God. I'm not mad at the church. I'm not upset at anybody. I want to I do it right. I want to I be where the fight is, and I want to fight the good fight. And I don't want to lose. I want to win. I want to... I believe with all of my heart that I'm talking to people right now. You want to win. You want to catch a W. You want to be victorious. You want to flourish. You want to rise. You want to be blessed. You want to be favored. And you know better than I do that there's some things you just got to get. There's just some stuff you got to throw overboard. There's some stuff you got to get off your boat. There's some stuff. There are some sins that so does that that easily besets you and weigh you down. And you know better than I do that you're ready to let it go. You Come on. There are some people here right now, the only reason you picked it up is because you've been bitter. The only reason you picked it up is because you've been mad at your husband. The only reason you picked it up is because you've been frustrated with your job. You've been frustrated with your income. You've been frustrated with your health. You've been frustrated with your circumstances. Friend of mine, God sent this preacher to tell you, get under the flag. Grab a hold of your wife's hand. Get a hold of the kids and face the tabernacle. Face Come on, come on, come on.
Can we lift our hands for about 10 seconds? Can you help me pray right now? Jesus. 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 Oh, hallelujah. I feel the flag waving. Hallelujah. I feel faces turning towards the house of God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, we need to pray. There's a moment of salvation coming into this house right now. Hallelujah. There's some hearts that are being changed right now. There's some minds that are being changed right now. Hallelujah. 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 I really want to talk to somebody here. I'm almost done. I promise. I know I keep saying that. I mean it. You know what else inhibits our service to God as a family? When we're not convinced that the house we live in is from God. Can I tell you what the Apostle Paul told the Greek philosophers of Mars Hill in Acts 17? He said, God has made people of all nations from one blood. And he has appointed, everyone say appointed. He has appointed their habitations and their boundaries. If you need me to translate that for you in modern English, the house and the city you live, God put you there. I didn't think so. Somebody with the leaky faucet ain't shouting right now. Somebody with peeling paint ain't shouting right now. Somebody that's been thinking about moving to Texas ain't shouting right now. Getting quiet. Where are my Texans at? I know you're from Texas, bro. No offense. We're, we're staying. <laughs> hey, do not let where you live right now hinder your service to God. And I know that some of you are living in your dream home. And I know others of you are living in your nightmare house. But I am telling you right now, you have got to understand where I'm at right now. Zip code and all. God put me here. God put me here. And I'm going to praise God in this condo. And I'm going to praise God in this apartment. And I'm going to praise God with a broken window, a leaky faucet. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise God with that front lawn infested with weeds. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise God with this house that just went down in value. I'm going to praise God even though I got two bedrooms and five kids. I'm praising God. I'm serving God. I'm facing the tabernacle. God put me here. Oh, come on.
There are people here. You're losing a lot of joy. Because you're not facing the tabernacle. You're facing other family. You're supposed to have your sights set on Jesus. And you got your sights set on the Thompsons. Preaching to somebody that just days ago you walked through the front door of your house and you said, I, I can't wait to get out of here. You can, you can say amen or owe me, either one works. You know what? I challenge you, sister, when you walk through that house today, I want you to say, Thank you, Jesus, for this roof over my home. Thank you, Jesus. Hey. Hey, in case nobody's ever told you, as an American, you are living in the lap of luxury. I don't care what side of Spokane you live on. I don't care how busted your home is. I am telling you, it is time for the church in North America to shake itself of a little spirit of ingratitude and start waking up every day, every day, and thank God that you are living in a blessed situation. A I don't care if your house is upside down. I don't care if your neighbors get drunk and smoke crack cocaine. I am telling you right now, you need to shake all that off. And you need to just thank God for where you're at, for where you're living, for where you and your son are. You need to wake up every day. Thank God for the food on the table, the clothes on your back, the shoes on your feet. That's right, sis. You just need to thank God for everything you have, everything you've been given, the health, the house, the kids, the car. Come on, come on, come on. I don't care how much you lost in crypto. I don't care how much you lost. I'm telling you, none of that matters. You're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed. I don't. Come on, somebody praise the Lord right now. I'm telling you. truth I live in a 700 bed 700 square foot home man got quiet on me praise you I'm not asking you to break out in prayer or <laughs> you know what not a day goes by I don't wake up and I say, thank you, Jesus, that I live in so much luxury. Because I've already made it up in my mind. Me, Sister Prado, and those little kids, we're getting under this flag. And we're facing the tabernacle. I'm not, hey. There are people that I pastor. That's not my situation. I, I, but you know what? I'm not looking at them. I'm not looking at none of that. I've, I've never looked at that. I'm not going to start looking at it now. I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to anyone. I w you know what? Hey, you want to know what the lap? You want to know what the lap of luxury is? The will of God. I said the will of God is living in the lap of luxury. The will of God is where I... 
out. That's where, come on. If your address and your zip code lines up with the will of God, you got the right house. You got the right place. You're in the right apartment. You're in the right condo. You're at, that's the right leaky faucet. That's the right busted home. As long as it's in the will of God, I want it. I want it. And I'll pay for it. I'll pay. Somebody help me preach right now. Come on. Come on. Can we lift our hands just for a few seconds? Jesus. 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 Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Come on. Just slip that hand into the air. Lord, let there be a spirit of gratitude that sweeps over Cornerstone Church today. God, there's a wife out there that has become discontent. She's taken her eyes off the tabernacle and put it on her house. Help her to get under her flag and to face the tabernacle. Help her to grab a hold of her husband's hand, amen, and to face you and to quit looking at her circumstance and to quit looking at her situation. Hallelujah. And to build a memorial of praise before you. Oh, God. He told Come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We're using the wrong metrics. We're measuring things wrong. You know what the most valuable thing any human could possess? Time. Time. I know I'm not the only parent that looks at pictures of their kids years apart and you start weeping because you realize you stop caring, paying attention, interacting at the level you should. And you wish you could get it back, but you can't. You might have a bigger house now, but you can't buy, you cannot buy time back. But you can redeem it. You can redeem it. And you can start doing that now. You can start doing that right now. But you got to get a gratitude adjustment. And you got to start thanking God for your habitation and your boundary. 
this is very touchy. I know. I know. And it's, it's touchy. I'm, I'm going to try to give you the most edited version I can. I received a phone call the other day from a church friend that a mutual church friend is in jail. He is in prison. I'm glad they called me because I was about to call him. I, I had no idea he was on his way to prison. I thought he was sitting on, on the pew serving Jesus. I did. I thought, man, everything was fine. I couldn't detect anything. I had no idea what he was meddling with, what he was playing with. I had no idea the stuff he was dabbling with. He's in prison. He's in prison. He's in a cell right now. And he ain't built for prison life. You might think this is cruel. But I'm just telling you how I experienced this situation. I woke up the next day, started praying. Not a day goes by that I do not pray. And I thank God for the food on our table, the clothes on our back the shoes on our feet, the roof over our head, the cars that we drive, and the money to pay for it. Every day, every day I thank God for that. Every day. I don't take it for granted. And as I was going down my little list, the Holy Ghost just interrupted me. Abruptly. And said, I'm keeping you. I'm keeping you. Because the fact of the matter is, is that that could be any of us. And I started, there were things in my life, I'm just going to be 100% honest. There were things in my life, Andy, that I saw as boundaries that I wasn't crazy about. There were things in my life that I thought, you know, that's kind of a really big fence there. And I've never had such a see why I built the fence moment with Jesus. Yeah, I'm just telling you, he's a carpenter. He likes making fences. <laughs> Brother Knudsen, for the first time, I saw, I saw things that I, I practiced but didn't know why. Or at least I didn't understand the layers to it, Brother I didn't understand all the layers to it, Brother Sergeant. I, 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 I understood it on certain levels, and I, I was happy with it, and I was fine with it. Some cases, I, I had my own mental struggles with it. But for the first time ever, I was thankful for the habitation and the boundaries, the borders, the fences, the walls. The nose. 
Too many folks can only praise God on the yes, and they have no praise for the no, and they have no... I am telling you right now, there are, there are couples here under the sound of my voice. You feel constricted, perhaps even by the lack of things. You feel constricted. You have, you have spent the last few weeks and months wondering, why are we doing this? Why are we in this habitation? Why are we constricted to these boundaries? I am telling you, if you will believe me, that in the weeks, months, and years to come, God is going to show you that he had you here from the very beginning. He had your boundaries, and your, he, uh, he appointed it. He appointed it. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to get a phone call one day, and you're going to be thankful that while other people were bragging about all the stuff they had, and you were dead broke, amen, God was keeping you. And you're going to find out that those people that were so braggadocious, were immoral and disgusting. You're going to find out one day, amen, hallelujah, that God knows exactly what he's doing. Hallelujah. He knows exactly what he's doing when he's got you walking through the wilderness living on manna in commandments. He knows exactly what he's doing when he's got you praying for food and water. He knows exactly what he's doing when he has you in a studio apartment. He knows exactly what he's doing when he moves you from one city to the other and he keeps you there. He knows exactly Let's stand. There's somebody here. You are genuinely lamenting how far you are from friends. Like that's a real grievance to you. And you follow your friends enough on social media to know that they're not doing so hot. You know what? Day I got married. Day I got married. All my friendships took a hit. As they should. My relationship with my mom took a hit. As it should. My relationship with my dad took a hit. As it should. My wife has godly parents. And there was boundaries and habitations drawn there. There just came a day where everybody had to find out we ain't under the same flag no more. That yellow flag over there, that's yours. You used to be under red flag. You ain't under here no more. And that's okay. Some of you, and I'm speaking to men, not just women, some of you would do very well to cut some of your friends off. I have more than one friend that's playing the church card. 
who, if they're not careful, are going to wind up in jail. You know, not all of us were, not all of us were born in church. And nothing, nothing drives me crazier than when church folk try to hustle and think that ex-hustlers don't know they're hustling. You're the worst kind of hustler. You don't even know what you're doing. And if I was just half backslid, I'd show you how to hustle. You ain't even hustling right. And that's why you go and go to jail. You're doing good now. You're hustling church folk. But I'm telling you, your day's coming if you don't repent. Don't let, the soon tie, don't let the soon ties fool you. We know you're not paying us back. Don't let the soon ties fool you. Some of us know you fighting DMs. Hey, it don't have to be that way. It could be different. The big theological question in our home these days comes from my five-year-old daughter. And it's this. Why did God make the devil? There's just a lot of frustration around this. If he knew, if he knew, and I mean, this is the same question every day. If he knew that the devil was going to do what he did, then why did he make him? The answer is not going to impress most people. God gives everyone a chance. The devil didn't have to be the devil. Judas didn't have to be Judas. Korah didn't have to be Korah. Eve didn't have to eat the fruit. There's choices. There's choices. And I know some people, you don't believe people have choices. Sorry, they do. Just ask all the people that chose not to come this morning. Choices. People have choices. And God loved, the Bible says He is the Father of all spirits. Everything God creates, He loves. And He loves it enough to give it a choice. Because if He forces it to do something, that's not love, that's control. And God's not into making robots, we are. I am, I am pleading with somebody here today. It doesn't have to be this way. But I am, I am talking to somebody. If you know, if you know that your close circle of friends is living foul and, and doubled up, 
Please, listen, run. Run. Distance yourself. You have children that are looking up to you. You have a husband. You have a wife. Please, run. Get away from them. I believe God will give you new friends. I'm so tired of people that think it's the, the emblem of all virtue to say they've had the same friends for 40 years. I, I, in some cases, am not impressed by that at all. I have none of the same friends I had before I got into church. And there's people that I got saved with, and there's people I became a licensed minister with, and there's people I used to pastor alongside with, and we're not friends no more. Because I have a flag I got to get under. And I have a tabernacle I got to face. And I have, and I have to, I have to try to, I have to try to be right. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm not trying to be holier than anyone. I'm just trying to serve my master well. I'm just trying to be the father I need to be. I'm just trying to be the man I got to be. I'm just It's not a competition. It's not condescension. It's a conviction. It's a commitment. It's a calling. It's a... Musicians, let's offer the people some hope. We're going to pray as a family. You're going to pray with your family. Emotionally, spiritually. There are people here, I promise you. All you got to do today is lift your hands. And say, thank you for the house I have. For the car we drove, for the car we drive. the shoes on my feet and the clothes on my back. God would be ever so pleased with you. Such a heavy weight of frustration would lift off of you. There's others. All you got to do is hold your spouse's hand. Say we're going to serve God together. We're going to do this together. We're going to lift our hands together. There's some single people here. Single mothers. Single young people. You need to thank God for your boundary and your habitation.
Jesus. Free us from all anger, strife, envy, jealousy, lust. Jesus, we're going to turn towards you today. Not just with words, but in heart. Jesus, bring unity to our home. Bring unity to our lives, harmony, and to our marriages. Uh, let's lift our hands and pray together. Musicians, if you'd like to come to the front and pray, you can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you'd like to come up with your family, you can. If you're single, you can come up to the front and pray. You can pray right where you're sitting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're not thanking God for the perfect life. We're not thanking God for the idyllic life. We're thanking God for the life we have, the life he's given us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus. 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 Oh, that's it, church. God, we're going to redeem the time starting today. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Ikaya ta da 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 da